Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Replay on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC, featuring the best of the best from today's conversations, observations, and ruminations. Because great radio is still fresh the second time around. Earlier today on the Mac and Bone Show. Thankful to God. I was praying a lot. The kids played great. I thought the coaches did great. We had a good plan on offense. Our defense is spectacular. You know, if we don't fumble the ball down here, they don't score. Uh, they don't come close to scoring. So I'm very happy with our defense. You know, Brian Osborne and the kids on defense, the coaches on defense, great job. I thought Mike Mike Miller did a heck of a job. And, you know, we got a guy at quarterback now we're going to settle on. And he makes some mistakes, but we'll coach those out of him. And right now he's, he's dynamic as heck. And, um, and, hey, look, we beat supposedly our in-state rival, right? Got the first uh, win in this series. And it's our the school's first ever American Conference victory. So can't be any better than that. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. As Bone said during the break, you're the music in the background. That is Biff live from the post-game victory party at Sup Dogs in Greenville. <laughs> we knew he was going there for hot dogs Friday. We didn't realize, Bone, he was going to do interviews afterwards. He loves it. While tossing down a cold one in a cut-off sleeve shirt. Uh, it is time for Pumped or Piss Monday. It's where college football fans, we encourage you, get anger off your chest. Tell us who you're mad at. Um... App State fans are going to get involved too. They're about ready. they've had enough of Sean Clark. Uh, we got to talk about Clemson, South Carolina, all these frustrating losses. But let's start with some happiness. Charlotte 49ers got bragging rights. It was not pretty, but we all knew it wasn't going to be pretty going in, Bone. We knew that was going to be the case. But I love the way that they are going. This is you could see their recipe moving forward. And yes. I realize not everybody's going to be as bad offensively as ECU, but you can see. They, like you were saying last week, put it in the hands of Jalen Jones. Embrace this option. Jalen Jones ran it 26 times for 117 yards. And how many times, Bone, when he didn't keep it, he was pitching at the last second, right? Or they drew up a couple of beautiful plays where he runs down the line like it's an option, but there's a receiver to hit. Um, he improvised, uh, made some big plays happen that way, too, in the past game. So I like that. Granted, it only got them 10 yards. But, dude, that defense has a bunch of dudes. Like, when Biff was saying bad company in the summer, yep. like, it seems kind of funny in hindsight because they're 2-5. and five. But that defense, when those guys are healthy, Bone, they they are getting after it. So, I'm happy for Charlotte. I'm happy for Charlotte fans. Feel free to send in some trash talk that we can read off the ECU fans because it, it got a little scary at the end, too, Bone. The kid, had, Conrad kid had to miss a second field goal of the game. You know, yeah, that's the, the, the formula is there. Their defense off the bye week a couple weeks ago, offensively, obviously against Navy, they didn't score any points. But Biff made it a point to get back to fundamentals and back to winning, and that included tackling and defense. 
the offense is always going to be a problem for the 2023 season. But defensively, you saw them, Mac, they're now back to what we thought they would be defensively. Not against great offenses, but they're, they're only going to win when their defense shows up and they're able to run the football and be creative from that side of the ball. Throwing the football with Trexler Ivy, I know Ivy is a, he's a good kid, but it just wasn't working. Jalen Jones gives them the best chance to win and gives their defense the best chance. So they need an offense that sustain it a little bit, right? Rest them. They're one of those teams that needs to give their defense the best chance to win. And they did that. They did that yesterday. They did not do enough for that against Davey, but hopefully they can get a few more wins out of here. I love it. This texture says, uh, took us one game in conference to take care of ECU. Thought they had a football program. That is from an unnamed Charlotte fan. ECU has fallen offensively in their national ranks from where they were. They are now 130th in total offense. So there's only what, now, three behind them. And as of last year, 130 would be dead last, but they added three more teams to this division, this level. So they are now 130 of 133 in offense. For a school that their fans back historically, what do ECU fans love? Yeah, they like to win, but they had a certain style that they would win with offensive football, shootouts. Rowdy Dowdy loves fireworks on offense. And to be 130th out of 133, yeah. oh, my God. Yeah, it's the, it's the Panther fan thing. Not only are you losing, but you're losing in such a miserable, pathetic way to watch. Yep. Um, I, I was talking to Zoki about this off the air because I know they didn't have a, they, they lost Ehlers, and I know that they lost a couple good receivers. I know that they lost Keaton Mitchell to the NFL, the running back. Zoki says every offensive starter from last year is gone. And that's what you see. And then you've got this Garcia-Flynn combo, a quarterback. They're brutal. This texture says Mike Houston should be on the hot seat. I don't know if he's an ECU fan. Like, here's the thing, though. He had been incrementally improving them every year. But if they only win, like, one game, it's his, like, I think his seat becomes hot. Do you think they'd fire him, though, Bone? Because he uh, had been building something, right? And then he lost all these guys on offense, and then it's just booty. Yeah, remember, they, I don't, I don't, I don't know. If they win one game... That's a dramatic change. Yeah, they might, they might seriously look at it, but... Who are they going to bring? Scotty Moe back? That's the uh, problem. When they fired Ruff, this whole thing started when they fired Ruff, man. Yeah. I, I never got that. I, I never will, understood I, that. I think it's going to, if they can win a couple of games, and that sounds crazy right now, then maybe, yeah, Flanders right, though. Do they, do they finish getting blasted and only win one game? It depends on how they finish here. I think it's a, it's a legit possibility. That it could happen. I don't know if they would or not. They also, for a while there, they were paying so many coaches at once. All, all at once. We have a clip. By the way, people are wondering where's the North Carolina misery on Pumped or Pissed. It gets its own segment. It gets its own angry segment because the loss was so ridiculous. That's coming up at 845 when I will tee up Flounder to lose his mind because he wants to say more. Tee it high and let it fly. He wants to say more about that garbage. But anyway, all right, so Clemson. Somebody wants to, a Clemson fan wants to fire Dabo. That happened earlier today, Bone. <laughs> Man, really? things have changed. This dude used to be able. Bone, this guy could, in the in, in when, when Dabo was at his peak, right, and his program was at its peak under Dabo, I'm convinced, Bone, that he could shove a little old lady down in traffic in Greenville on video. And Clemson fans would defend it. Remember those days when they would defend everything? Yeah, have like, you that, like a year and a half ago. <laughs> have you noticed now? Like, here's another guy. But I hate to admit it. Bone's right about the portal. This is what we get. Dabo refuses to go out and get things that could have helped you. You can't convince me that there weren't things out there that could help us. What Now, Dabo getting fired, uh, that take is scalding hot. 
I mean, scalding hot. Little Mac doesn't have a take that hot. He could but, not. He could but, not win for three straight years and not get fired. Yes, I would. <laughs> I would actually agree. But Clemson fans being angry on a pumped or pissed after you lose to Miami's backup QB when you had a fourth quarter 17-7 lead, and then your quarterback going rogue. At the end of the game and not running the ball, handing the ball to Shipley, fourth and goal from the one in, a, in double overtime. Like, there's tons of stuff to be angry about with that game. How can you not stop Miami's run? Your vaunted defense with the D lineman that you have. How can you not hold up better against Miami's run when you know they don't have Van Dyke? You know what I mean? And you can, you can, like, the 80 yard run. And then the guy fumbles it, of course. And, and they would. <laughs> and then they recover it. But how many times did these games just go their way? For so many years, where they would not lose to a a backup quarterback on the road, they would either their defense was too good to let that happen, or they had great quarterback play with Watson and, and Lawrence. They they would not lose that. Mac, for the context here of where they're at now, and this is a credit to where they were. They are seven and six. Clemson is in their last thirteen games. Seven and six in thirteen games for some programs, including maybe the ones I root for. No, that's a would, major drop. Wouldn't seen that big of a deal in a ten year period of time. From 2012 to 2021, they lost 17 games total in a decade, in 10 years. Mm. In a 10-year span, Clemson lost 17 games. That shows you how great they were. And right now, I feel like the entire program is a little shell-shocked right now. It is. Yeah. It is big time, dude. And then uh, Tea Time says, I don't think Dabo should be fired, but the seat should be hot. I can't believe the way Clemson fans. I, I get it. Like, you want to take your he, anger he won, out on someone. He won two titles. Yeah. Bernie, He's a Bernie, man. Bernie said this to me yesterday. Our guy Bernie Bowles over there in the uh, BT studios. We were talking about that game, and he said, if it keeps going this way, do you have to look to fire Dabo? And I'm like, that's crazy talk. There's no he way, man. Man, he's got double Denny Ford's titles. They revered Denny now, Ford. He's this. got double. They have to sit him down and tell him, look, you have to change your approach to the portal. It just, you have to. You ha- he, he got no to. choice. He's also, he's also this- under fire for comments in the post game about talking about. Suicide. The team team psychologist, he said, is on suicide watch right now. Now, he came back yesterday to apologize. I I mean, it's a dumb thing to say, especially you represent a whole university like that. You're the most famous person. You are the ambassador for that university. You got to know that we, we can't talk like that, man, with, you know. Is is mentally mental health aware as we need to be. Yep. With that said, I'm not going to act like I haven't said something dumb like that. You know what I mean? Like a dumb joke about that in the past. And yep. the more I think about it, I'm like, why Why would I joke? You know what I mean? As long as, but, you know, if you're going to make a comment like that and, and you mess up, at least bring awareness to it afterwards that it it's not. I'm not saying he didn't do that, but at least, you know, it gets there's a discussion to be had about, hey, we can't. This is a different world now. We're much more aware. If you are legitimately feeling that way, there is help out yeah yeah he stepped in it it just added to to a horrible saturday night it just added on to that it's pumped or pissed monday college football fans who wants a shout out for a big win i see multiple bama fans in here that's second half and and this texter says uh, nick saban proves again he's the king of adjustments that second half they came out and shut down tennessee's offense tennessee though screwed the pooch early when they had they they screwed the smoky early in that game excuse me 
Well, that's their dog's name. I, I probably shouldn't. Have. <laughs> I probably went again, too far now. Again, if I'm you're going to be apologizing on the again, morning show to so, Smokey. Sometimes we mess up out there. Poor Smokey. Did I just, Smokey's out there just coming off a loss. <laughs> Didn't I just admit that sometimes I say things wrong? I think that was one right there. All right, Smokey, my bad. Um, but anyway, when they did not get more out of those, like they scored the long touchdown to score a white. But when they did not, when they were in the red zone twice, Bone, and, had, and got one field goal out of it, or, or no, yep. two field goals, that's when they were begging Bama to get back into the game. Bama outscored them 24 nothing in the second half. And I've already apologized to Saban for, like, looking at his team and saying, you're going to lose three games. I've already apologized, Bone. They're in the, they're in the playoff discussion. Now, there's going to be some unbeaten conference champs that might be in the way, but Bama Mac, not their best team by any means, but he's... He's found a way to get some. They beat Ole Miss. They beat A&M. They beat Tennessee. He started to collect some some big wins, and they don't have a bad loss. Texas is not a bad loss. So Bama's Bama somehow, some way, they're 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 going to be a factor. Absolutely. Here uh, Dizzle says Buckeyes over them Penn State baby kittens. Does it does beating Penn State even get you excited if you're a Buckeye fan? Like, I mean, you just own us so badly. It is embarrassing as a Penn State fan. And I don't want to be completely like, I don't know. I think I am anyway. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to be like unappreciative of the fact that James Franklin puts up 10 win seasons and 11 win season. But when you are owned by those two dang behemoths in your division, it's just, it, it makes a 10 win season no fun. And then the way they did it too, Bone. Just helpless on offense. Looking Panther-esque. My guy, Zach, who's a Penn State slash Panther fan like I am, he asked the question, was Frank Wright calling the plays? Like, that's how bad it looked, Bone. Like, and Drew Aller looked like he was not ready for the moment in his defense. He doesn't have a Marvin Harrison Jr. Uh, well, 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 Ohio State does to help out their young quarterback. But it's just, if you've ever been owned by a rival, it just sucks. One of, yeah, I'm aware. One of the um, one of the um, biggest coaching hires of recent memory, Matt, of the non-head coaching guys is Jim Knowles at Ohio State because we know what their offense can be, and it's not typical Ohio State necessarily. But look at Ohio State's big wins this year: Notre Dame, Penn State, grinded out, low-scoring, physical wins. Jim Knowles is changing it a little bit where Ohio State is a great hire. By they're them, playing man. a ton of deep Ohio State's looking more like Michigan now. It's a great hire. I don't think they can win that way against Michigan, though. I don't think they can give up 12 points to yeah. Michigan or how many Notre Dame score against them? 14. I think that was, yeah. I don't think they're giving up I don't think they're winning, you know, that low against Michigan. Michigan is a dang machine. And why wouldn't they be? They know what the other teams run it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they got the best advanced scouts in the business, Back. for God's sakes. Let's, let's address South Carolina against Missouri the other day. They get down 21 nothing immediately right off the bat. Leggett goes out. The offensive line was terrible. And there's got to be legitimate questions. I, I'm not ready to go full get rid of Beamer. I'm not doing that. But from where this team was a year ago after those two big upset wins over Tennessee, over Clemson, the, the hype of the Austin, the Notre Dame bowl game where they showed out really well, the hype of the offseason where they got Nick Harbor, they got a ton of recruits to have this season that they're having right now. One of the one of, they, they look as bad as they did under Will Muschamp. Shane Beamer is just eight and 13 in the SEC, Mac. In a lot of those games, Missouri the other day, Florida last year, Missouri last year, there's a lot of no shows on there. It's not that they don't even, they're not competitive. In some road games, South Carolina Mac has won nine road games. 
in the conference since Spurrier left. And he left in 2015. And of those nine road wins, credit to Brad Crawford for this, he'd be uh, 24-7. Of those nine conference road wins in the last nine years, five of them are against Vanderbilt. They have four road wins since Spurrier left on the road in the conference against teams other than Vanderbilt. That's brutal. That's brutal. And Bone, they get beat. They get mm. they get hammered in the trenches. I mean, they couldn't pass. I get hammered watching the game. They couldn't pass protect for Rattler at all. Um, they could, and then they get behind that they can't even run it. Like um, Anderson, Anderson was running fairly well, but only twelve carries because you're behind twenty one points and, before you know it. And they lose one of the best receivers in the country in the game. They're uh, already yeah. missing one of the best receivers in the country for the entire season. So people want to blame Rattler. There's no protection. He's missing two basically all conference wideouts. That defense is terrible too. Like, bad, man. like their past defense is was what the worst was the worst in the country coming in. Brady yeah. Cook didn't even throw for two bills. No, like um, the run defense gives up 220 on the ground. Like, and then they're teams down. can pick what they want to do against South Carolina, man. They're down 24 nothing, and they're just settling for field goal after field goal. It was 27 to nine with 10 minutes to go, and I understand that a field goal technically speaking, make it a two score game, Boney. 27 to nine, they settle for a field goal. <laughs> like, what are what are what are, I. What are we doing with that? They couldn't finish off drive. What are you doing for that? Here's the deal. They were driving the ball better in the second half without Leggett, and they just kept getting stalled out. Here's the deal. Uh, They did not make it a two-score game because the way their offense was functioning, they made it a five-score game. Because cutting it to 15, they would have needed five more possessions to kick another field goal. Uh, But if you're a Gamecock fan, you got to be ticked, and you you got to look at that schedule, Bone. Where are the wins? That's what I was trying to say a few weeks ago. I'm not one to say I told you so to the Bone Man. You guys know. Y'all listen. You know I don't like doing that sort of stuff. But I was asking, where are the wins? They are a really bad football team. When you go back to the preseason, it's not Georgia and Tennessee type losses that were seen as tough when the year began, especially Tennessee in that environment off of last year. It's uh, UNC was, was a toss up game when the year began, lost it. Not even their offensive line gave them really no chance to win. It's Florida who they had a lead. They lost it. It's Kentucky. It's the, uh, excuse me. It's, it's uh, Missouri. It's Kentucky coming up. It's those peer tier teams that you have to stack wins against to make a bowl game or get to that eight-win mark. Last year, they did not do that very well, but they beat Tennessee and Clemson to close the year, so they ended up going bowling, and things felt so much better because of the upset wins. They do terrible, Mac, in those toss-up games. They beat Kentucky last year, they beat A&M last year, but a lot of the – what's their record in those toss-up games under Beamer so far? It's not Are they game. even toss-ups though? Like that game wasn't a toss-up, but, but man. Sh- but I'm saying when the year began, the year begins when you look at Florida, when you look at Kentucky, when you look at Missouri, when you already have Georgia, the games that you feel like you going feel in are like swing, they should be able to win yeah. those games, and they're not. Yeah, I don't even know if you can stay close in swing games. I mean, Florida, you had them by ten, and then your defense uh, blew it. Uh, by the way, Sean Clark's name is all over the text line. On a pumped or pissed Monday. And I'm sitting here looking at I always thought he's a great guy. Like, he comes on our show. He's a really good dude. But with the with the history of winning they have their bone, 6-6 six and six last year and 3-4 and four this year. And I know that a lot of them are heartbreakers. The ODU game, they had a 4th and 10 that they converted. The app could have won the game right there, and it led to the touchdown. But, like, this isn't acceptable. If they go 500 and, ne- and this year under 500, I don't know if Clark survives that. I had the stat the other day, Mac, after Coastal, about their record since game day was there last year. What did they lose? Like they've lost like seven or eight games in the last. Again, like Clemson, it you know that doesn't seem like a lot for some programs, but for App State, Mac, to have that many losses in a year and a half, they would go two and three years at times in total eight losses. 
So Sean Clark, I I don't know about Mike Houston yet. Sean Clark, because the expectation is so much higher. And again, Mac, I've compared it before. Like when you watch these baseball games and they go bullpen, 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 it doesn't always guarantee in those opener games. Sometimes there's a weak link in there that can mess it up. They had a lot of coaching hires in a row that were working. Jerry Moore, Satterfield, Eli was in there. They're all sustained the program. But when you have that many hires in a, in a row, Eli, Satterfield, and you keep Clark, losing coaches so, that take bigger at jobs, some point, you got to keep going back not, to the well. Not every link yeah. in that chain is going to keep and, it going. And right now, Sean Clark is not. He's an App State dude. I, like, I don't take any joy in this. I don't think App fans take any joy in it. But this ain't acceptable. Losing 10 of the last 19 games at App is not freaking acceptable. By the way. And that conference got a lot harder, too, along the way. Shout out to, oh, did. Shout out to Coach Drink, man. He's doing a hell of a job. I kind of accused him during the offseason of being a clown boat. You, you actually. <laughs> He's doing a hell of a job this season. Him, you called him Drinko the Clowner. Because <laughs> Mac has App even, they haven't even played James Madison yet, have they? Who's no, ranked? No. So what? What do they have left here? App State right now is in that conference. All they can lose a lot more, man. They still have to play. Listen, listen to this. They still have to play Marshall and at Georgia State at James Madison. Yeah. I don't know. They're not going to make a. Think, bowl, they're not going to make a bowl game again, are they? I don't think Clark's surviving it, man. I, and I, I don't, don't think he should. I, honestly, you I, missed bowl games two straight years at App. Yeah, that I should be I, it. I, I like Sean Clark, so I hate that that's happened. He's a good dude, but that that's uh. The standard is high at app, and it's not being met right now. Listen to Mac and Bone every weekday morning from 6 to 10. Instant replay continues with more in a moment. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. The exclusive home of the Charlotte Sports Fan. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Instant replay on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC. Because great radio the second time around is always twice as nice. This afternoon on the Wesson Walker Show. Let's shift gears and talk a little more about the Carolina Panthers, who did not play this weekend. The joke is, wasn't it nice to not watch the Panthers lose on a Sunday? 704, 980, let's go. Yeah, 0 and 0 on the weekend, <laughs> which is a better record than what they've given us the past six weeks. But they head into this week getting ready for the Houston Texans and getting ready for the trade deadline because there's a report out there, Joe Person wrote about it on The Athletic, that the Panthers are interested in in giving Bryce Young another wide receiver to aid in his development. The problem is it's not going to be a number one wide receiver you're getting back because other teams don't necessarily want to trade their best offensive weapons in the passing game. And also, if you were to do that, that means the Panthers would have to get rid of draft capital in order for that to happen. And they don't have a whole lot of draft capital because you spent it all on moving up to number one and getting Bryce Young with that number one overall selection. So really the other way to do it 
is to have a player swap. And the Panthers are considered both sellers and buyers, especially with that wide receiver position, but sellers everywhere else. We've talked about Brian Burns. I don't know if he's ever left the trade market. I don't know if he's ever left the block because last offseason, we thought, all right, they're going to agree to a contract extension and then he'll be here long term. But it never happened. So now here we are having the conversation again of could you get two first rounders, whatever, if you traded Brian Burns. But the other players on this list, could you get like a third wide receiver that would even amount to anything? Wes, do you see any realistic scenario to the point where you would want to do it, trading some of these players or any draft capital if you wanted to go that route to help Bryce Young with another wide receiver on the squad? Um, Yeah, I mean, it's a tough scenario. I feel like with the Panthers at this point, unless you really get some really great offers that can help you, then I think maybe you make some moves. Um, if Brian Burns can net you two first rounds or a first rounder and another high draft pick, I think that's something to be taken under consideration. Same with Derek Brown. Uh, but the thing you have to ask yourself is how are you going to replace these guys? If you do trade Brian Burns, what's your plan to replace him? Do you feel like that you're going to be getting rid of him and then going into the draft trying to find him again? You know, So that's the conundrum they run into. I think that uh, maybe some player-for-player player swaps, but you rarely see that. I think unless you really have a chance to get a guy that you feel like is going to be a true game-breaker, true difference-maker for your franchise, and you don't have to give up too much, then I think maybe you make the deal, but we know that's not how that works either. I think the best course of action for them at, at this point is just to stand pat with what you've got. Uh, the Panthers are going to have a lot of cap space. I read a, a piece that they're going to have over 60-plus million next season in cap space. The draft picks that you do have, um, I mean, if you really feel strongly that you don't want to play Brian Burns, what he's worth, and if you're that far apart on negotiations, then perhaps you look into that deal. But other than that, I think that you just stand pat and just keep building. Yeah, I just don't know what the draft capital in return would be or what kind of player swap you could make. So if you're going to get rid of some of the players, Joe Person came up with a five-player list. Brian Burns is on that list. No surprise. We've been talking about it a lot. Some of the other names are Dante Jackson, who maybe you could get a mid-round pick in return, which if you got a fourth-round pick in return, might do that. Dante Jackson just didn't live up to the hype after what I thought was some promising moments that he had early on in his career. Known as a ball hawk, would go and get an interception, would bite on some of those routes, and sometimes it worked out for him. A lot of times it didn't. Just been injury-prone, too. Uh, under uh, unfortunate for him, but it just hasn't worked out this season by any stretch of the imagination. Jeremy Chin, we thought maybe, okay, is there a team out there that values what he is as a player, which is a safety, probably more so in a linebacker body that makes plays a lot closer to the line of the uh, line of scrimmage than he does in coverage. And so is there a team that wants to utilize that part of his skill set, and would they be willing to pay for it? But he suffered a quad injury that's going to hold him out for six weeks. And so now, I don't know how much you can get in return there. There is a player that I was a little surprised to see on the list, but only because we haven't talked about it before. It makes sense when it's laid out for me. What about Hayden Hurst, Wes? Because Hayden Hurst was involved in the passing game week one against Atlanta. And I thought, all right, this is somebody they keep targeting. Bryce Young likes working the middle of the field where Hayden Hurst could find some spot, some soft spots in coverage and Bryce Young could li just live there. But really, he's been throwing to Adam Thielen and <laughs> take your pick after that. It hadn't really been Hayden Hurst. Is that a guy that you would be willing to trade 
And do you think the Panthers should trade him because they just don't use don't use him at all in offense? Um, that's a tough question because the reason that they're not using him, I mean, what is it? Is it because he's not getting open enough or the game plans or whatever the case may be? Because I felt like the first couple of games after Atlanta, maybe teams were zoning in on him and saying, hey, you know, this is a guy that the rookie's going to be looking to go to and not because of the rookie quarterback tight end thing, but just because in the first game he was a guy that was targeted and they were going to him. But uh, since then, like I said, he just hasn't been a part of the offense. It depends on what type of uh, offer that you get. If you, you know, he's not making a ton of money. He did a four-year, $11 million, or oh, that was with the Ravens. But this is a guy that you're not paying a ton of money to. So it just depends what can you get for him and what, what's your desire to get from him. And do you want to get maybe a fifth, sixth-round pick? Okay, but then again, that just admits another fault that you didn't evaluate a guy properly and that you did not, do your due diligence on him if you're going to ship him out that quickly. I don't think he's a guy that that should be gone. Well, and we've talked about the defensive signings for Scott Fitterer. If they're not working out, it's really because of injury at this point. Von Bell being out, Xavier Woods having been someone they brought even over a year ago, playing last season on this team, him being injured really hurts. The draft acquisition they made with J.C. Horn when they took him a couple of years ago, that's someone that's not helping on the field because he's hurt. So, I don't know if it's necessarily a bad fit or talent evaluation as to why they missed on some of those signings. It's because some of those guys are injured. Offensively, Miles Sanders looks to be a really bad signing because, Wes, here we are watching Chuba Hubbard play better than Miles Sanders when Chuba is in the game. And then we got to see Deontay Foreman for Chicago this weekend receive a touchdown. Yes. And run for a couple of other touchdowns. Yes, against the lowly Raiders, which if you need a win, whether you're Jeff Saturday looking for your first win as a coach at any level, Raiders got you covered. If you're Tyson Badgett, an undrafted rookie QB making his first start in the NFL and you need a victory to help you out going forward, McDaniels got you. Okay, even with all that being said, Deontay Foreman looks as good as he did last year, except he's not making all the Miles Sanders money. And yet he looks better than that guy. So I think these are a couple of indictments as you look even closer as to what's happening with this offense. But man, if you, so Miles Sanders isn't working out Hayden Hurst, if you trade him, that's clearly a, Hey, all right. It didn't work out with Hayden Hurst as to what we were hoping he would do for Bryce young drafting Jonathan Mingo at this moment when Josh downs is among the league receivers uh, among the leading receivers in the league this past weekend. There's just, the offensive decisions, Wes, it's really hurting this team and it's hurting the one you still hope you got right with Bryce Young. Yeah, and so it was kind of a thing that we talked about last week while you were gone, Walt. We talked about the fact of the Panthers building their offense kind of in an old school vein and not really looking to be a dynamic offense with plenty of matchup issues all over the board. And yeah, we thought that the signings they made were a good starter kit, and that may well be true. We see that Adam Thielen has been playing uh, as good as anybody in that slot. But you look at Chark, like you said, the injury concerns, and he just hasn't seemed to caught on for whatever reason or another. He's made a play here or there. But there's nobody on that offense really what people are fearful of as far as what they can do to you, whether it's taking the top off the defense or whether it's being a 
50-50 ball king. Like, there's not a lot of dynamic players on this Carolina offense, and you can add Hayden Hurst to this list, even though I did think he was going to be a guy that could get around 700 yards receiving. But he's a good, solid, traditional tight end. But this Panthers offense could use an influx of speed, an influx of uh, dynamic playmakers, and that can look a lot of different ways because Mingo, okay, the thought there is big, strong guy, can run a little bit, going to be able to dominate down the field on 50-50 balls. Well, that hasn't happened. But then the guys that you bring up, like the Tank Dales, like the Josh Downs and players of that ilk, they're matchup nightmares where you get them on a linebacker or you get them on a safety that's too big and can't keep up with them or things of that nature. And so it's like, what's the design of this Carolina offense? What were you trying to gain with the pieces that you had? And so not to say that it's hard to go out and build what Miami's built because it's hard to go get a Tyreek Hill to start all of that off. But you got to have some just some type of influx on this offensive playmakers to make this team more dynamic. And I don't think they're there right now. And I understand. Yeah, I want more speed, too. I'm not even so mad at what you think these guys could become and hitting on the ceiling of what that is. A.J. Brown has been among the best receivers in the league. We compare Jonathan Mingo a lot to A.J. Brown because he that that's the ceiling, right? The yeah, ultimate the body ceiling. Type. Yeah, play style. Physical, good with the football in his hands. I don't need them to select Jalen Waddle if you like this other wide receiver at his peak with his skill set better. But if you miss out on him, then it's going to hurt. And so <laughs> it's not even necessarily the identity. It's West, even if they have an identity in their mind, they can't get players to perform well within whatever their vision is. So when they select these other players, it, it's not even working out with whatever vision they have. And the other thing I'll say, too, about the draft, which a lot of people are saying on the text line, great, I want Scott Fitterer to trade for more draft picks for him to just miss on those draft picks, too. Well, Scott Fitterer might not be making trades for himself. He might be making trades at the deadline, and then that job might be taken away from him this offseason yeah. for another GM to deal with. So you have to think about that. But Jonathan Mingo... A little bit of a reach there at 39. I We were discussing some of these other wide receivers going higher. But then DJ Johnson, a clear reach based on what we had known coming in. We're not inside the war rooms. It's not like we know everything. Oh, DJ Johnson wouldn't have gone until 130 if you didn't select him. But it just feels like you jump up to go get your mingo. You jump up, you trade up, you get rid of an asset to go get DJ Johnson. Two years ago, you trade up to go get what you thought was an asset and Matt Corral. And these guys either don't perform well, don't show any signs that they're the guy immediately, or they're not even on the team in some cases. And it, the draft history has been so detrimental to this team. Yeah, and also, too, man, you look at Horace Shodan, and I think the same thing when you look at what he's talking about and saying letting Hassan Reddick go. Like, when I watch the Eagles play, I'm sitting there, I'm like, why did the Panthers let him go again? Like, I, I was confused. And so this front office, it's just been a comedy of errors as far as free agents brought in to this point and also uh, draft selections that they've missed on. And that's what sets your franchise back more than anything because we're out of the days where a quarterback, if you draft them, you have to pay them a ton of money and it's going to hurt you if it doesn't work out. Those days are done. But what's hurting Carolina right now is just missed draft pick after missed draft pick. And then also now when you look at what's happened, uh, in free agency, missed 
assessments on that as well. I mean, we talked about the grocery list all season long, and there were things added to it. It's like, you know, your, your girl called you, your wife, or whatever the case may be. You're in the grocery store, and she's like, hey, uh, I forgot a couple of these main ingredients I told you. I, I thought I had it, but I didn't. You thought you had a left tackle. You might not. You thought you had a running back in Mount Sanders. Probably don't. So there are a lot of things that they thought that they addressed as well that they're going to have to go back and address. And that's what's going to make this rebuild uh, take a little bit longer because there are some things that you had to go back and get because you didn't you thought you already had it. Yeah, they're making that call. And you're like, don't worry, babe. I'll whip something up for us tonight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then when it's done, ooh, what that's is what that? I say, yeah, it's don't, like you forgot some of the ingredients. Don't you ever do that again. <laughs> you go back to the grocery store and you go get what I asked right, for. Right, exactly. And then we try it from there. You can hear Wes and Walker live and local every weekday afternoon from noon to 3. Sit tight and stay locked because Instant Replay continues next. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC. The exclusive home of the Charlotte Sports Fan. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Play on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC. Earlier this afternoon on the Kyle Bailey Show. And on Saturday night, unquestionably the biggest win in club history, and they are playoff bound. They beat Inter Miami and Messi in front of a crowd of 66,000 plus. The drone show was intoxicating. Uh, the crowd was electric, and it was just an amazing atmosphere and a beautiful call there at the end from Willie P and Jessica Charman, the duo that takes you through every single Charlotte FC match here on the flagship. And we have the great Jessica Charman with us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. Jessica Charman, congratulations on the playoffs. How are you? Thank you, thank you. I'm feeling good. Resting my voice a little bit. Might have to borrow some of Willie P's throat coat after that uh, emotional evening at the office. Uh, he, he won't shut up about the throat coat. It's always the damn throat coat, Jesse. Dude, you don't have to have the spray in your ears. Like, that cough button doesn't stop me hearing the... <laughs> I mean, I was kidding, but he is a walking, talking spokesman for throat coat. If you talk to Willie P, there's about a 60% chance you're getting a throat coat drop in that conversation. You know that's true. He's got to reach out to them at some point because if they're not paying him or sending him free product, he's doing himself a disservice. That is absolutely true. I might even call on his behalf. All right, let, let me get the let me get something out of the way that I guess is somewhat negative, but it's not the first time somebody said this to me today. I'll let you handle this question. Somebody just said, okay. is, it a, is it a play-in or a play-off? In year, two, oh. does, in year two, does it matter, Jessica? Oh, it's such a tough one, isn't it? Because let's be honest, technically it's a play-in wild card game. But I'm going to say the season has continued. They're getting to live to die another day. And it's about really continuing the season. There's teams below them in the table that haven't had that opportunity. So year two, getting into this play-in game, the wild card, anything can happen. And let's just 
the semantics, go ahead and win on Wednesday. Then we don't have to worry about it, right? Then it really is playoff, playoff, playoff. I, I like that. I would also say to the, those questions that, you know, if the Panthers were in contention or the Hornets weren't on a 20-year run of futility, that, you know, we might be willing to nitpick a little bit more, but we'll take postseason however we can get we it right now. Cling. We've got to cling on to it in Charlotte, right? I've learned a lot in my two years of Charlotte sports, and this feels like a, a momentous occasion for us to be able to cling on to some joy. All right, so how, just how valuable is Christian Kalina to this club? I mean, we saw what he did Saturday night, but in your words, how valuable is he to this organization? Well, I'm biased, aren't I? Coming as a former goalkeeper, I think that role is completely underestimated and it's important. We talk so much about strikers because they're the guys getting the highlight reel in terms of the goals, but without a good defense, without a good goalkeeper, you're not getting those points. And I think we saw on Saturday where his hard work and resilience has come into play, the quality of the save, the reactions, and this is what he's deserved because Listen, we've been very critical of the defense early on in the season, and we were rightly critical because there were a lot of goals conceded. But he has always worked hard. He's always been back there. And he's a leader on and off the pitch and a great role model for everybody to see what he does to connect the community as well. So big Christian Kalina fan, but almost just feeling so happy that he got the moment he deserved with being part of that highlight reel. And look, he was given MLS, you know, in the team of the week. So that's always a good sign as well. No doubt about it. Uh, go back to a week ago after the, uh, the, I guess, the blown lead, not even a week ago. And the, que- <laughs> the, the answer from, from you know, Christian Latanzio kind of scolding the media member for even asking about, you know, giving up, uh, you know, late goals and blown leads and things like that. I, w- I would love your perspective both on that, but also what that win Saturday night means or meant toward erasing what Latanzio said last week. Yeah, I was a little taken aback, if I'm completely honest, particularly as it went to Carol, who's an incredible journalist, and did what she had to do, right? You're paid to ask difficult questions as a journalist. I think Latanzio was just kind of trying to protect his players, which is a good sign as a coach. You don't want coaches that are going to throw your players under the bus. But she had the right to ask the question. 25 points dropped from leading positions is a problematic stat. But what I love about what this team did is they righted those wrongs. They were able to make adjustments in that matchup on Saturday. And to get the clean sheet, I think, meant so much to this side because when you back up your team so vocally like Latanzio did saying, hey, like, let's focus on the good things, you have to then be able to do that in the next matchup. And that's exactly what they did. They defended really well against Inter Miami. And listen, Messi played 90 minutes, which I think was a key point in this one. If Messi hadn't played, there would have been a lot of people being like, oh, well, you beat Inter Miami, but they didn't have their best team. The fact Messi played 90 minutes allows us to feel like we have a little bit more of that swagger about us with that victory. All right, be honest with me. This is not a gotcha at all, but you just said it. Messi played 90 minutes. When you found out he was playing on Saturday, (laughs) did you think FC could win that match? Oh, uh, I'm not going to lie. When I got handed that piece of paper with his name on it, there was a oh, explicit, can't say it on the radio (laughs) moment of, oh, no. This just got a lot harder. I had faith in the boys. I thought they were going to lift to the occasion. I also think the fact the game was at home with an amazing fan base. Were there a lot of number 10 jerseys around the stadium? Yes, but I thought the atmosphere was electric like you described it. I was nervous. I would be lying if I wasn't nervous. You saw what Messi was able to do in that League's Cup game when Inter Miami beat them 4-0 in League's Cup. That shows the growth of this team and their understanding of what they had to do differently. And again, it's about learning lessons, right? This side learned lessons about when you play against Messi, sometimes you focus too much on Messi, which allows everybody else around him to look better. I think they found the right balance of preventing Messi, but also focusing on all the pieces around him that can have an impact. Jess, in your words, what has he meant to this league, especially in the context of the deal that he struck to get here in the first place and what it's done for Apple numbers and everything else? What is what is this year meant for the MLS, his presence here? 
Oh, I, I have mixed feelings. I'm not going to lie, KB. Like, it's great, but it also makes me feel a little bit sick that he is such the focus of the league all the time. <laughs> like, it's great for the league in terms of gaining respect. There's a lot of people now that are paying attention to MLS that wouldn't before. But at the same time, like, give someone else some love as well, right? It's about sharing the love. And my biggest thing about this messy addition is we have to have a blueprint for success. We have to figure out what happens when Messi isn't playing. I mean, now we've got a whole massive long playoff format where Messi isn't going to be playing anymore. How does MLS now utilize the eyes that they've got to keep them watching MLS? And that's going to be the biggest thing because he signed a three-year deal. That three years is going to go fast. What is the long-lasting impact of Messi? It has to be that the league grows and has a game plan after he's done. Well, and, and look, he's the greatest player to ever make the jump to this league. I don't think you'd necessarily argue with that if you want to, by all means. I don't think anybody would. No, no. But... I love David Beckham, but he's not Messi, let's be honest. Right. I, I do love me some David Beckham, but no. Messi he... is at a different stage of his career. He's fit. He looks amazing. But again, we can't put all eyes on that. We have to figure out how we boost the league without focusing on just one play. No, I'm with you. Like, David Beckham's not my type, but he's a beautiful man. So, I mean, the, the point is, like, for, like, who does he pave the way for? Who's next? Who's following Messi to Major League Soccer? I'm hoping it's a lot of players just making that jump and seeing it as a respectable place to come and play, whether it be players that are in their prime in Premier League. A lot of the players that have made the jump to Saudi Arabia to follow a paycheck would be nice if they saw the U.S. as a valuable option. And also for me, who has such an investment in grassroots level, hopefully it's inspiring more American kids to play. I'm not trying to say, hey, don't put your kid in American football, don't put your kid in baseball. I get it. Those are American sports. Those are sports you want to watch your kid play. But soccer's not a bad outfit as well. And I think watching Messi in this country helps us develop more young players because that's what the best countries in the world are able to do. They're able to cultivate young American players to be successful. I like that. I like that. Now, give me a a thought or two on the the play-in matchup with the New York Red Bulls. Obviously, they've seen each other before, and and FC can win this match, but what's it going to take? Yeah, I mean, they're a physical side. They love to press high. They're very good defensively. They're disruptive. My fear with this mismatch is we've watched Charlotte FC. They like to play out the back. They're going to have to be smart and not give away any cheap possession if the team presses high. Goals, goals, goals. We're getting goals, really nice goals, but not scoring enough of them to put games to bed. It's about putting the game to bed. going to be a physical, physical matchup. want to see a little bit of nastiness from this team. I loved watching Brant Bronico not give two Fs about who he was challenging when he was tackling Messi. Like, that was beautiful to see. Need to see more of that from the boys. A little bit of nastiness in this matchup because when you play against a team that prides itself in being physical, give them a taste of their own medicine, right? They don't like that. Last thing, um, and hopefully you and I are talking again about a full-blown playoff match and continuing to preview things, but, I mean, we are effectively at the end of year two. Uh, Hopefully a couple more matches, but we're effectively here at the end of year two. It's been so impressive. 36,000 on average in attendance this year. Uh, what, What took place there a couple of nights ago was just amazing. You've been here for all of the first two years. What about this time has been the most remarkable or impressive or surprising to you with this club? I think watching people fall in love with soccer or at least give it a bit of their attention, right? Watching the text line change, and I'm sure I'm saying that now with a lot of people saying, hey, Jess, shut up about soccer, get rid of her KB. But we've seen a lot of people change their minds on soccer. Once they go into the stadium, they realize what an incredible experience it can be, right? And I think going into that stadium and watching how it truly captures Every person in the Carolinas is an incredible thing to be a part of. So I'm glad to see some people changing and falling in love with the game because that's always a good thing. I will never get rid of you, no matter what they say. You, you class to join up. We appreciate you. You always do a wonderful job, and hopefully we're talking to you again this time next week. Fingers crossed, KB. Have a great show. 
tuned into Instant Replay when the audio was so good, it has to be heard again. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. The exclusive home of the Charlotte Sports Fan.